Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Event Manager Podcast, the podcast for event professionals who want to stay ahead of the game by listening to the leading innovators in the event industry. My name is Miguel Neves, and I'm the editor-in-chief of EventMB. In this episode, titled Content Continuum, EventMB's deputy editor, Angela Tupper, speaks with Dahlia Elgazar, tech evangelist and idea igniter at Dahlia Plus Agency. In this episode, Dahlia discusses hybrid event engagement strategies and much more. We cover some great topics, including COVID fatigue, and we offer some advice to planners. We talk about what do you say to people who say that it's time to drop virtual events and go back to in-person only. We talk about event data and why we really need to understand data and how to make it actionable. And also, how do we prepare for working with data in 2022 and beyond? We talk about event promotion. Speakers and sponsors can be brand ambassadors, and they are the key in Dahlia's mind to event promotion. And we talk about making the best use of event content during and after the events. Later in this episode, I also get the chance to speak with Gemma Edwards, the co-founder of Canopy, and we also discuss hybrid event engagement strategies and a lot of the topics that Dahlia mentions earlier in the episode. I hope you enjoy listening to these conversations, and I invite you to check out the other episodes of the Event Manager podcast with tips and insights from today's most influential event professionals. You can find all the episodes on our website or subscribe through your favorite podcast service. And now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. I'm here today with event tech guru, Dahlia Elgazar. Hello, Dahlia. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You're a woman who needs no introduction, but I'd like to hear a bit more about your background in the event industry. How did you get started with working in events? Actually, a funny story, but uh, I was sort of put in the position of an event planner uh, way back in the day. <clears throat> I think a lot of people can... Uh, uh, relate to that where it just lands in your lap. So basically I was in the hotel business and um, the general manager just came to me one day and said, I need you to uh, design an event and make money. And those were the only two goals that I was given. <laughs> so talk about carte blanche or like, holy shit moment. Um, so my first event other than in high school, you know, like homecoming and all of those, you know, events. But uh, my first real event um, is a camel race in the, the Sinai Desert, because on January 1st, everybody drinks on New Year's Eve. They're not allowed to go diving on the boats for, mm -hmm. you know, uh, so they, they don't for safety basically <laughs> for safety reasons, right? Um, so in my head, I was like, Hey, why don't I take them into the desert and create an event? And so I went and negotiated with the Bedouins to do a head in a corner and, you know, Bedouin tea and put numbers on camels and created a camel race for 500 people. It did bring in cash. 
And um, I think they still hold it every year right now without me, which is a good thing. So that was, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I got started. And I have to say, I, I, I say this a lot, especially for the newbies that are entering into our um, universe, as I call it, of events and, and just design of, of amazing experiences. It's like the song Hotel California. You can check in, but you will never check out. <laughs> well, I hope so, right? Because, um, yeah. you know, one of the concerns is that there's an, a possibility of an exodus from the event industry. because True. A brain drain. Let's yeah, put it that yeah. way. You're right. Maybe they will come back, like you said. <laughs> um, so I want to move on to some questions about your particular expertise. So given that you're an expert in using technology to enhance engagement, what would be your number one tip for boosting engagement at hybrid events? So, uh, so the H word is, is convoluted at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, the reason why I call it out, and I think a lot of people have heard me say it's a pet peeve of mine when using the word hybrid. Um, I think it's setting people up to anxiety and being overwhelmed, thinking that they have to do everything under the sun at the same time, whether for a digital audience or for a live audience. <clears throat> and so this is where I, I try to have, you know, the, especially our clients or those that are seeking um, advice, step back a bit in regards to what are, what are your goals per stakeholder? Meaning, you know, be very obsessive about knowing who your attendees are whether on the virtual side, digital side, you know, live, um, that blended, you know, overlapped area, if, if you will. Um, but the, what, when it comes to designing, design first, strategize first versus tech first. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's very telling, especially what, you know, we, we just came back from Event Tech Live and, um, and IMAX where everybody's like, oh, what, so which platform are you on? You know, and, mm -hmm. and it's, it should be flipped. Um, I think the, I, I think people need to flip the script first in regards to uh, what's that, that's my number one tip going forward is you can design great engagement through tactics that will resonate with your audience and your attendees if you know them well. And so like, for example, know them well from uh, social listening, like on your marketing channels, on your social media channels, see who likes to, you know, be engaged on the, on the visual side, who loves gifts. I love Schitt's Creek, right. Moira Rose. I channel her all the time. So if <laughs> you look at content, <laughs> right. So, you know, so think as your audience, and then you'll be able to strategize accordingly. If you think of um, not only on the social listening side, but also uh, ask them on registration. So, you know, you want to be able to uh, offer an engagement strategy that will be embraced, not one that falls on its face. Mm -hmm. My second tip, which is the, which is an obvious one, but yet people, I don't, I don't know why people don't want to invest in, in this a little bit more is definitely go for having cheerleaders in the engagement 
process, meaning your chat, whether you're on Zoom, whether you're on a virtual platform, whether even you're on site, you need to have those cheerleaders. You need to have someone to execute the engagement plan. Don't leave it to the speakers. They're, right. they're, they, they don't have the time or the, you know, the, 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 the energy to do it. Mm -hmm. So have, and I'm not talking about just having someone moderate the chat to see who's like behaving and who's not. But what I'm saying is when you say that you have an engagement plan, then you need those cheerleaders. You need those with the confetti guns and the, and the pom-poms. And then those that can spark conversations, those that can like, you know, light up the chat, light up the, the questions um, if need be. Mm -hmm. Those are two great tips. I mean, um, thinking about what your audience wants and then afterwards thinking, okay, what tools can I use or what uh, strategies can I use to meet those needs? Not necessarily what tech do I have and how can I use it? Right. right. It's sort of the other way around. And then, you know, really trying to put some kind of elements into the conversation from somebody on your team who's really stoking those conversations, whether it's online or in person. So yeah, two very good tips. And I wanted to kind of get into a little bit more with this, you were saying, you know, what you were saying about hybrid being such a convoluted term, and it is convoluted, and it's also vague, right? It could mean so many different things. And it makes me think of some recent research that was put out by Explory in collaboration with UFI and SISO, um, a couple of industry associations, and they found, um, they did a survey of around, I think, 15,000 exhibitors and uh, visitors, so, so quite big of trade shows. And they found that when they asked them, how enthusiastic are you about attending virtual events, hybrid events, or in-person events, uh, in-person events scored quite a bit higher than hybrid events. But I think it's sort of a, the question is a bit flawed to begin with, right? Because when you ask someone, how do you feel about attending hybrid event? It should really be broken up, right? How do you feel about attending an in-person event with a virtual component or a virtual event with an in-person component, right? Those are two very different things. I mean, never mind that hybrid events in any case can be you know, so different. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think about that? Um, and also if you think with that in mind that when people say they're less enthusiastic about hybrid events, is that because the question is flawed or is it because you know, there's maybe a possibility that some virtual components when they're combined with the in-person experience might actually detract from the in-person experience. Do you think there's some kind of case to be made there? So <clears throat> event profs are overwhelmed and they're tired. Yeah. <laughs> We've been through a lot. I mean, I, I want to celebrate them all. And I, if I could, I'd give everybody hugs. Um, <laughs> that would make a difference, you know, yeah. and um, so that's, that's first and foremost, I think, um, and, you know, kudos to Explory and, and Ufi and SISO, you know, for getting that, um, that poll or that survey going. I actually did a, a, a very quick poll on LinkedIn. I did not get 15,000 people, but that's okay. Um, where, where it's like, okay, we're going live you know, what are you doing with your digital events that you've had success with in the past 18 months? 36% said that they were ditching it, which was very surprising and very disappointing mm -hmm. to me um, because we know that digital and virtual events take a lot of work. 
We know it's not everybody's cup and tea, but we also know that we kind of kicked ass at it for, yeah. for, you know, for the time that we've been put through it mm-hmm. in, in a way. Um, deserve kudos for sure. <laughs> I, for sure. But the thing is, I think the, I think the question is flawed. I think the question should not be, would you want to attend or go to a live event versus a, a digital event or a hybrid event? The, 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 the ultimate question is, you know, what do you want to gain out of an event? Is it the networking? Is it the connections? Is it, um, you know, uh, professional development? Is it the content? And what kind of experience you want? So if, if we're able to back out and ask those questions, mind you, you know, being, we, we should have, we should know our attendees by now. The digital audience should know our live audience, even though we haven't, you know, spoken to them. Nobody lives in the mindset or the headspace or even the professional space that they were in before the pandemic. And we've always said, let's personalize the experience. Let's personalize, you know, what Dahlia wants versus what, you know, anyone else wants. And we, 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 we haven't gotten there yet. But if we come to a point and we're asking the question about what do you want out of an experience? What do you, what do you want, Dahlia? Then it doesn't matter what venue it is. It doesn't matter if it's vis- virtual or if it's live or if it's face-to-face. So if you're delivering even a webinar, even this podcast can be an event. Yeah. And so like in my head, um, and I was just talking to someone this morning, I had to write it down because I've only had two cups of coffee and I feel like I've been hit (laughs) by a truck. I can imagine after the two weeks you've had. (laughs) I have no training whatsoever to be face-to-face, which is kind of mind boggling coming from me because I used to like hop from one show to another. So um, I think I know we're very rusty. We're out of practice. But like in my head, I'm like, instead of asking the question, you know, would you do virtual? Would you do digital? Everybody's been doing it. Why are we like harping on Mm -hmm. those three? Why are we not obsessing about the personalization? I mean, why are we not obsessing about the content and the experience Mm -hmm. and then figuring out, oh, Dahlia wouldn't mind going virtual, you know, versus uh versus going face to face and those are could be totally mm-hmm. two different experiences i think we need to flip it a bit because i think um you're coming at a point asking th- these type of questions to an audience that has been through hell for the last 18 months yeah. trying to figure out digital even though we've been doing hybrid for more than a decade now This is not unusual for us, Mm -hmm. but I think you're setting them up to like answer you in a, in a, in a very, in a very strange way, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I I think I see your point there. I mean, I think for one thing, one of the things that you're sort of touching on is that there might be a bit of a reaction or a counter reaction because we've been so absorbed in the digital world for so long that people are naturally going to be really enthusiastic about getting back in person. And there may be kind of a pendulum effect where we're sort of swinging back in the other direction and eventually it'll settle somewhere more in the middle where, you know, uh, event organizers realize 
that there are certain advantages to the digital events that they now are actually quite skilled at uh, delivering. And it, I suppose there's also maybe a, a point to be made that it doesn't have to be a hybrid event, but it could be sort of a hybrid event strategy. And what I mean by that is you could have some virtual events that are just virtual, some in-person events that are just in-person, but they're all part of the same larger event strategy where maybe you use some of your digital events at a lower cost to promote your in-person events, right? Totally. Um, yeah, you feed the versa. funnel. Mm-hmm. You feed the yeah. funnel. So so um, it's it's interesting because a couple of weeks ago, uh, Dahlia Plus team, we, were, we sent out an email campaign to our database um, that we're here to help support your virtual events and your digital um, experiences while if while your team is going back face to face because if you're asking your events team or marketing team to do everything virtual and digital and god forbid having it layered mm-hmm. where there's a digital event component to your face to face then you are killing them yeah <laughs> and it is not fair so we sent out an email campaign and you know and a very prominent I'm not going to n- mention names a uh, show organizer said, um, uh, digital is dead, virtual is dead, long live live. And I'm like, seriously, dude, like <laughs> honestly, <laughs> because I remember reading that you did an amazing job on the digital mm-hmm. event side last year, you know? So it, it's, it's sort of a letdown if all of a sudden you're giving your digital audience no other chance except to come live Mm -hmm. and it is a huge missed opportunity and a big mistake if organizers all of a sudden are trying to replicate what they had pre-pandemic because I gotta tell you that is that is sad that is sad that we are not learning from our mistakes and we're trying to go backwards not forwards Mm -hmm. and and it's kind of so so when you say we should look at it from, you know, that there's different audiences for different types of events. You're absolutely right. But I would take it a step further and I would challenge any event marketer or a professional right now, because I have a feeling there's going to be a shift in titles. So I'm not going to, this, this is another, maybe tell podcast. me more. I'm intrigued. <laughs> um, but um, there if you think of it as a content continuum, so when when we are in front of a client and we are looking at the opportunities that they might have in regards to their members, subscribers, you know, um, uh, audiences, stakeholders, etc., we want to make sure that their products, because associations or even you know um, media companies, their products are an event is a product. Webinars are a product, you know, content is a product. So think of it as content continuum. So maybe you can help me make this be a term in our industry. Yeah, I like that. So that means that the products won't have to compete against each other. They can actually blend and complement each other, meaning your revenue opportunities and your attendance can flow from one to another depending on how well you know Angela, depending on how well you know Dahlia. So like, if you know that Angela and Dahlia like intimate, they like, you know, to be on the Brady Bunch Zoom screen, (laughs) there is freaking nothing wrong with that. 
just send them wine in the, in the mail, you know, put them with 50 other people and have them have that be their experience, their engagement, their conversations, that consuming of content in the way they want, right? Until you shift your digital audience to go back to live, that's a different story. That's a different marketing strategy. Yeah. That's a different experience strategy altogether. But it all is around content. Yeah. And I mean, I think in a way you're touching on this, but event technology, whether it's a mobile app or a desktop uh, program platform, allows you to track that stuff. And it allows you to create much more tailored experiences and decide, okay, what is this particular attendee interested in and what kind of what kind of engagement opportunities are they most likely to be attracted by? Um, so I think that's a really good point in terms of you know tailoring that and thinking specifically about each group. Yeah, I mean, you think about the group, you think about the content consumption, you think about the revenue opportunities around it. Honestly, right now, this is why there's you have all these like mastermind workshops are working really great on Zoom. There's nothing wrong with Zoom, except that some people still can't find the mute button, which baffles the <laughs> hell out of me. But or they forget they're on mute, which is I'm. Guilty or they of. forget they're on mute, which is a sponsorship opportunity if you give them a paddle and <laughs> right? you get them like to do stuff. But what I'm what I'm trying to get at is technology lasts because you do not want to design amazing experiences within borders. A, a, a platform just says, here are my capabilities. So if you, if you go and do a contract with a platform, oh, so sorry, you can't do networking. Bullshit. Why can't I do networking? Then I go and I do a URL to Zoom or I do an API with like a grip or umbrella or whatever but you have to design first according to right. what you want to have done. Right. So if your, your main primary tech solution doesn't cover certain types of interaction, it's just a question of finding the solutions that do having integrations or possibly offering um, a different experience for your attendee base. Is that sort of what you're saying there? Absolutely. Because the, the thing here's, here's what's going to happen. Cause we didn't do a good job with uh, the mobile app bubble that we had 10 years ago, where all of a sudden everybody was a mobile app. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's a virtual uh, event platform or a hybrid platform for SEO reasons, whatever you want to call it. What, what we didn't do a good job at is we did not lean hard on the tech partners to have them be strategic partners. And I'm, I, I'm challenging the tech companies right now hard that they need to come to the table as strategic partners. They need to come to the clients and, and not only with the technology platform, they need to come to them with creative ways on how to maximize the experience, on how to maximize data, because our event organizers have another huge problem coming their way. They've had it for a while, but now it's more because of all the different events that they've been doing, they are buried in data. They do yeah. not know mm -hmm. how to how to um, maximize the data. I'm not. This is not a. a I'm not being disrespectful. No, what I'm saying is, yeah. it, you know, this is where. Um, and I've seen a couple of clients do this. I would love to see more do this, where you actually hold a summit 
whether it's virtual or whether it's not, with all your tech stack partners, sit them around the table and say, okay, let's look at all the data that you guys are like dishing out and sending my way. Give me actionable insights together. All the band-aids yeah. that you say, oh, we integrate and we don't, and it's, you know, and it's manual and shit, that has to stop. We have come to a point where it should not be uh, acceptable anymore. And, and so actionable data analysis needs to be a thing. If you don't have it within your organization or you think you're doing it, you need validation, you have to have either like an event technologist, which is, a, I mean, a title that we keep hearing about right now, and I love that if you go into LinkedIn, there's tons of event technologists right now. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there needs to be a way of turning that data into actionable items yeah. for an organization. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I, I agree with you on both points. One, that we might need more staff or specific roles to help take on that responsibility because it's really almost too much for an event organizer, the main event planner, event manager to take on that responsibility along with everything else, right? They have to be an expert in virtual events. They have to be an expert in in-person events and all the logistics that go into both of those things while at the same time bringing all this data together with all these different integrations. Um, and I also agree with you that the event platforms themselves need to be supportive. And actually that um, Explore survey that I mentioned they found that um, exhibitors who said they received training and support were 39% more likely to sign up again or say they were interested in signing up again for a virtual booth. So there's a huge boost there that happens when you actually provide your clients with the help and the training that they need to really understand what they can do with your product. Yeah, um, I, I with, think that's fantastic. And with tech integrations as well, as like you said, I mean, with them being fully integrated, it makes the data transfer between all those different platforms and services so much more effective and easier to manage. Yeah, um, absolutely. So many I points. mean, I would, I would, I would challenge tech companies um, in 2022 to actually have. I'd have to think of a sexy title, but I can't think of it right now. But to have someone that does specialize in, you know, insights or actionable mm -hmm. data points for yeah. the client. It's not the customer success manager. That's different. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's like, you know, the other thing is, and I've, I've seen a couple of tech companies um, recently, I saw All Seated do this, where um, their, their data reports or the data dashboard, if you will, and a lot of tech companies have dashboards right now, has, has call-outs, okay. insights on the dashboard. Um, I would like to see more of that because I think that is, um, oh, look at, yeah, audience insight miner. I like that. Mining data. <laughs> yeah. There goes Sean. Sean's on a roll. He probably had more <laughs> coffee than I did. But um, for those of but, you in the so, audience, Sean is in the background. Uh, Sean Chang's. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm his sidekick at, at the moment. But like, <laughs> so, but, but here's, here's what's needed. What's needed is, you know, we've, we, we're coming. Um, well, I don't want to jinx us because we have a lot of unknowns. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like coming at us. Right. So, so the, 
we don't, we want to do better, you know, as professionals, we don't, and, and most of us have to like, you know, uh, level up our skill set, new skills, what have you. A lot of us are learning on the job. It's stressful. So lean on each other, but also lean on others that have a, a fresh perspective that can come in and just say, you're spot on, you're right on, mm -hmm. help you sell to the C-suite because the C-suite, sometimes they don't know what's, what, what's, you know, they want the old same, same thing that you had. Um, or, or you need someone to say, try a different track, try something different. This is what your KPI should look like, et cetera. And hold your hand hard while you're exploring this new dimension, if you will. Mm -hmm. If, if I'll, I'm going to go out on the limb because it's funny because when the pandemic happened, you know, some media outlets came to me and they're like, so when do you think events will come back? This was in March. And I'm yeah. like, oh, maybe June, 2021. And they're like, we can't print mm -hmm. you because you're, you're a uh, Debbie Downer and Too you are not making the You're yeah. right though. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, if you don't, Hey, whatever, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, that um, those that experience digital um, and are, are willing to be more creative um, might not go back to live, might not go back to that temple event of the annual conference from one year to another because of the inconsistency of the unknowns, you know, right. uh, yeah. might and might do it in a, in a different way, hub and spoke style or do it, you know, um, any other way, but they might not, they might enjoy so much of a new audience because right. that was the first problem that a lot of organizations had is how do you acquire and retain new audiences? Mm -hmm. So why the hell, if you have new audiences that came with you on a digital journey for the last 18 months, would you ditch them? Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And I mean, you know, you're, you're sort of, implying this without saying it directly, but we still have uncertainty, right? Um, some countries are going into lockdown or thinking about yeah. going into lockdown. Some countries in Europe are seeing their highest numbers yet. Uh, so we want to be as optimistic about the return to in-person events as possible, but I think there's still an argument to be made for keeping virtual events going as a safety line, but also, like you said, you're reaching new audiences. Why would you neglect that? And uh, there's an investment level that goes with setting up an in-person event, right? That um, you're taking a risk and we still don't have that many um, government-backed event insurance plans. It's very hard to get private event insurance cancellation against COVID right now. So yeah, I mean, what do you think with that in mind, if you were to think about the split between say organizations that have the kind of funding that they can take those risks versus maybe associations that are running on a tight budget how do you think that that's going to kind of balance out in terms of their virtual versus in-person spread or hybrid i know you don't um really like that term but a mix of the two <laughs> do you have blended. any sense of, of how you that's going to fall blended you can say hybrid. blended okay um uh so the the mix um let me think about this it it honestly i'm i'm this is not a cop-out this is um Here's, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know what the mix will be. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody does. 
I do think that if people, so let me back up. I think it depends on the audience. The more mm-hmm. essential the professionals are, um, the more you can play with the mix. Meaning if you have those that are uh, on, in the medical and healthcare, you right. probably can, can have a mix of both because they need the accreditation. Right. If you have uh, electrical contractors and, and uh, you know, we just, we did an event uh, with coverings, for example, where they all had to be, I mean, they all went to the face-to-face annual, the attendance was high, was because they're essential at the moment. They need to know about supply demand chain mm-hmm. and all of that. I think it depends on the audience more so than anything. Yeah, right. um, and and you have to also keep in mind the age group. So, mm-hmm. are you are you catering to the to the younger professionals? Because then your answer is clear. Right. Yeah. Are you catering mm-hmm. to someone who's taking care of elderly parents and maybe you know what's it called the sandwich generation or something mm-hmm. now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sandwich generation. That's it. Yeah. Right. Kids um, and and parent elderly parents as well. Yeah. Right. So, so again, I go back to saying obsess over your audience and obsess over the content and the time they are able to give you. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I'm kind of baffled and I'm, and I'm worried about those that are going back face-to-face and sticking to the same exact program that they had pre-pandemic and right. thinking it will be a success because I, I mean, putting someone on site for like eight hour days, 10 hour days mm-hmm. and back to back and no, no room for sunshine or to, to wind down, et cetera. That's, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not good. Yeah. I mean, that brings to mind a recent article we did on what we're calling the phenomenon of the hybrid attendee. And so this is, it's somewhat of a, maybe a complicated way to describe this or unnecessarily convoluted, like you said, but essentially what it is, is um, in-person attendees who don't necessarily want to watch all of the content live in the audience and want to live stream some of it. Um, And one of the examples was actually a medical conference. Um, So I think that sort of goes back to what you were saying about thinking about what the audience wants, but also taking into account their personal life circumstances. Because like you said, a lot of people have family uh, commitments now, or they might be working from home with, you know, their full family around and possibly elderly parents as well as kids. And when they go on site to an event, they might actually want some alone time. Um, Mm -hmm. So that sort of idea that they can be there for eight hours in the day um, and dedicate full day like they used to, to actually being on site might be a little unrealistic. Um, Yeah, so very good points. Um, We're running to the end of this podcast. Uh, Are there any final tips you wanted to give on either uh, networking or engagement and using tech to your best advantage for both of those um, objectives? For engagement and networking, use your brand ambassadors, make it uh, peer-to-peer, meaning use your brand ambassadors and your event um, ambassadors or connoisseurs to be part of your engagement plan. Have them lead, have them be part of the 
you know, the, the moder not the moderating, but like have them light up the chat with you. So <clears throat> um, the other part of this is it's about content again, meaning, so the content is not only delivered only through a session, through a speaker, through a panel. You have content that's shared throughout the event. So you have to have social listeners, but you also can use the chat as extended content that can be gated, that can be like, you know, use it to, to upsell, for example, um, your event or for marketing uh, your, your next events. So don't, don't belittle, you know, the engagement plan as well as the content that you receive in your, in your, um, in your chat channels. Right. Matt, mine it for crowdsourcing or for testimonials or for marketing purposes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> very, very good points. Okay. Well, if you have any final thoughts to share with me, I'd love to hear them. Um, otherwise, thank you so much for such a, an engaging and interesting conversation <laughs> full of funny anecdotes and, you know, your sense oh, of yeah. humor. <laughs> yeah. Fitz Creek, if you want your event to be a success, you have to channel your Moira Rose. So <laughs> that's what I say to everybody. Absolutely love that show. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much, Dahlia. You're welcome. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. And thank you for joining us today, Gemma. Um, you are on the Event Manager podcast, and we appreciate Canopy being a sponsor of the Event Manager podcast. Uh, I'd love to ask you a little bit about yourself and your history in events. How did you get involved in this crazy world of events? And how did Canopy start? And you know, where where is it today? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm Gemma. I'm one of the the co-founders of Canopy, and um, I have been in the events industry for for over a decade. Thankfully, you can't see that with the, with being on a podcast. But um, I would say I got into events um, through my love of organizing things and organizing people. Um, I guess my family would probably call that being bossy. Uh, but I think that's a good trait to have in the events industry um, and kind of getting people together and kind of enjoying that buzz of of, a, of an event. So. I guess that's why I'm still in events and, and all these years later, still in the events industry. Um, and, and I love the fact that in events, every day is a school day. Um, nothing has been the same, um, regardless of, kind of the changing of format. There's always something new kind of happening. So especially the last um, two years that we've had, uh, there's definitely constant evolving and learning. Um, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's an exciting industry to be in. So I wanted to uh, also ask you about Canopy. Um, first of all, I wanted to ask you about the name. Where did that come from? And then if you tell me a little bit about, you know, what your thoughts were and how did it start and how you created it? Yeah, sure. So so the name, yeah, that was a, a fun fun activity. The, the name for, um, represents a 
canopy, a covering, uh, all-encompassing, um, I guess, protection of, of an event. So we, we are there from, from to protect you and to, to create that um, event, the, the whole under the canopy um, from registration all the way through to kind of delivering your event. Uh, we're, we're able to kind of offer that. Um, so so the, the canopy side of things. Um, we, we, we are just over a year old, but our parent company, um, where, where I was was part of the, the parent company, uh, I ran the global events business for them. So I've obviously got a lot of years of event experience. Uh, and with our events, we, we were definitely driving that digital first um, event um, methodology in our in, in our in-person events. So when the pandemic hit, it kind of gave us that boost uh, and that need for us to kind of excel the the software side of our business, the, the the digital part of the events. And that's where we 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 spun off uh, a subsidiary company canopy to be able to support standalone events and the, the software for for that. Very interesting. And when you say end to end, just for people who mm -hmm. may not be familiar with that term, yeah. what do you mean by that? So um, we can, as a product, offer a, 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 a customer the ability to, to do your event from end to end. So from the beginning, from making a microsite to be able to promote and um, promote your event through to the registration part and the ticketing and gathering your attendees, and then actually creating the content pieces, be it um, a live streaming, a video on demand, uh, a virtual um, conversation, breakout sessions, all that we can do. Um, and then the end part being the actual end product, the event itself, uh, the delivery of that, uh, all the way through to the, 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 the other end of the, the book, the bookend being the analytics. So all of that we do as one uh, product rather than having to potentially bolt on different providers, different suppliers. So we kind of offer that um, all encompassing solution. And you do the service side of things. So you can do a sort of a production service and, and help people get the content in, in the platform as well? Yeah. So we we've we've made the the platform um from our event history our event knowledge we've made it as simple to use as possible so with events professionals in mind um uh, and tech savvy and not tech savvy people in mind so we, we've kept it very basic being able to enable disable a lot of the features um over a four step um, four easy steps to be able to create your event. So we know that different events have different needs, different um, people have different expertise. So yeah, we, we as a product offer that, but also there is the opportunity, if you do want your handholding, uh, we do have um, event experts as well who, who can support um, you through that, through that journey because we, we realize not everybody is a, an event professional For sure. or a technical event professional. Sounds like you offer a very complete product. So that makes makes a lot of sense. I think people yeah. do, do, yeah. do like that. So I wanted to get into some of the topics that, that Dahlia covered on, on, on the, the, the start of the episode. Um, but I wanted to jump, maybe not jump to this idea that people may want to, now that 
COVID pandemic has subsided. I don't know if it has mm -hmm. ended. It, it definitely in Europe at the, at the time of recording this, we're getting some pretty bad news in Europe. So we don't really know uh, what the next steps are, but there's definitely live in-person face-to-face events happening. And the attitude of some people has been, okay, we don't need this virtual anymore. We can go back mm. to face-to-face. -face. Uh, what's your response to that? How do you feel about that? Yeah, so yeah, it's very interesting. I think we're in a very fluid time still. Um, ironically, we thought a year ago, oh, it'll be all done and dusted by now. But yeah, it's, it's still ever-changing, um, which is making it very difficult for, for us as planners, I guess, to, to kind of keep on top of. Um, but thinking, it's sorry, so it is great to see that in parts of Asia and parts of, of Europe and, and even the US now, there are some in-person events, but, um, and it, is, it does give you a little boost that the, the, the normal events kind of are coming back. But I think um, you'd be kind of crazy to say that let's just forget what we've learned and achieved over the last 18 months, um, that there is a real need for virtual. Um, it, it has its time and place and its purpose. Um, and I think that we as, as an industry need to, to remember what, what it, it's done for us over the last uh, 18 months. We've, we've, we've been still in business. We've still been able to connect. Uh, and the, the world hasn't stopped in that respect because of the virtual side. Um, so, um, so I, I think that we, we, we can't really forget that. Um, and there's, there's many other benefits, I guess, that, that the virtual side has, has brought in, in defense of the return to full in-person, um, like the environmental points, uh, the, the diversity, um, that we're able to, to kind of have a lot more accessibility for global audiences. Uh, and we're seeing that at Canopy, being able to offer such a global product on a virtual side, um, it is really opening up those those doors for for a lot more attendees to experience um, the events. For so sure. um, yeah, and I think you know as you're as you're talking, I'm thinking hybrid events. You know, and hybrid events is this buzzword that everybody likes to use, and mm. it can mean many different things. But yeah. If, if it's so uncertain now whether we can meet or what we can do face to face and what we can do online, you also mentioned virtual first when you talked about the, you know, the canopy way of thinking. Um, mm. Is that something that your clients are really doing right now? So, you know, planning a virtual event or a online event, and then if possible, doing a in-person side of things so that you know, no matter what happens, you can always do the virtual side, right? And then the other mm. bits are, are kind of nice to have where and when they're possible. Is that what you're seeing? I think at the moment, we're still seeing more heavily um, virtual first driven um, as there are so many restrictions still in place and so many unknowns on the, the physical side. Mm. Um, the, the hybrid events that I've been part of with, with Canopy have been more smaller scale on the in-person. And I think that's just driven a lot by the, the rules and regulations of, of the, the, the country and the, the facilities that they're using. But also there's people's um, mindset, I think, has, has, has changed as well. So th there's quite a few goals to, to kind of overcome in the, the in-person side of, of, of things. Absolutely. 
So I, I guess on the flip side of this is COVID fatigue. You know, we've, we've mm. where I think, I don't know if you agree with me, but you know, everything I see from the planner community is that the, they're exhausted. They've been asked to do many different things, you know, learn virtual, but kind of figure out in person and then figure out the safety restrictions and security and yeah. so many things. And, and, you know, they're having, asking, they're being asked to do more events uh, and never less. So how do you, do you have any advice to, to the planners out there that are sort of COVID fatigued? Oh, I hear you. Definitely, definitely COVID fatigued. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is definitely a, a thing from the planners through to the end users as well. Um, and we always get asked, oh, how, how can I make it different? How can I try and excite or offer something that no one's seen before? So everyone's trying to kind of always go one better. Uh, and I think that's what's really kind of draining us as well, trying to to kind of constantly improve and change because you feel that you're not achieving potentially what you could before. Um, so, so with that in mind, I think what I would suggest is is strip things back. What are you as as an organizer trying to achieve? Um, what are the goals and expectations that you expect? What are you trying to take away at the end of this event? Uh, and kind of think about that, go back to basics um, and not try and overcomplicate things. Because I feel like we've got to a place that there's so many bells and whistles out there that everybody thinks you need to throw everything at it. But sometimes with that fatigue, it might be better to be direct and concise with what you're delivering uh, and, and have a, a short, great experience. Um, so... Yeah, and maybe thinking about the ways that you can deliver deliver things um, through the and and listening to your audience, listening to what feedback you've had over the the last um, year or so, um, yeah. because yeah, depending on your audience, it you can you can kind of bend to what they might might be expecting. Um, listen to. To their lives people have lives uh outside of the 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 home office so yeah it's difficult to find that right balance it, it does sound like keep it simple you know keep it simple go to base go back to so, basics yeah. in a sense don't add yeah, bells and whistles we have bells and whistles, so I might be getting in trouble for, for like playing down <laughs> the bells and whistles that Canopy has because we do have but there may be events that that you do just need something simple to get that point across um but then there may be uh, maybe a, a longer event that requires people to be maybe a bit more interactive that you need to um gamify that you need to um throw in surprises through polls through notifications through guest speakers or or anything or gifts or something like that so there are i think it's if there's a need then explore it but also think about what are you trying to achieve yeah, and I meant what I meant. Don't add bells and whistles. I guess I meant don't add them unnecessarily, right? If if the Correct. event doesn't yeah, yeah. need it, then it doesn't make sense. And it, it does sound like what you're saying is, if you're worried about COVID fatigue, don't add to the problem, right? Make, yeah. make people's lives simple. Make it easy. Make it easy for them to engage and understand. And and I think you're you're doing everybody a service if you can achieve those things. Yeah, and I think that that whole learning, because um, everybody is having to learn a different platform and what does this button do? Or how do I do this? And 
they're, they're trying to kind of learn tech at the same time. Um, so yeah, try and simplify things and, and that will real, really pay off from the, I guess, the, 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 the end user experience. For sure. So we touched a little bit on hybrid events, but I wondered if you had any uh, thoughts on on hybrid event strategies. And particularly, I think engagement comes across as, as one of those things that planners yeah. struggle with, you know, really trying to get audiences engaged in the two different types of audiences. What advice do you have? I mean, what do you've seen? What have you seen that works well? Yeah. Um, so there's an analogy that I've, I've actually used before, but I, I really think that it, it helps, well, it helped me kind of visualize what we as event managers kind of need to, to think about. And, and referring back to that uh, earlier comment on kind of clear goals and, and how to achieve them. So if you think about a football match, a football game, you can be at home, you can sit with your mates, you can watch it, watch it on TV um, and you see the end result of the game. But uh, perhaps you're messaging your friends on social media, you're helping amplify and getting that buzz from the virtual friends that you've kind of got on social media. So there's that kind of scenario but then also you can be sitting in a stadium you can be with your mates watching the game live in a stadium and having that um having that buzz but also seeing the same end result as your mate that's watching on the tv um so you may at the stadium have your singing you're shouting but you're also kind of socially interacting uh on social media so for me we need to think about um the two different experiences and and think about what we need to be able to deliver to those different audience members and and how can we with our tools be able to to make sure that they have the best experiences um given the, the physical location that they're they're in um so that to me when when i kind of i don't know if if if, you, if it worked for you but for me i kind of uh helps me visualize kind of the complexities, I guess, of, of hybrid and how, yeah, how you've got different different people to and different delivery methods to to think about. I think that that makes a lot of sense. I I think that you know it, it's not it's very good to have a visual or a kind of reference point for what mm. hybrid can be, right? I think most events that we run are not going to be on the scale of a you know, a Premier League football match or something like that. But understanding yeah. Yeah. that those types of events, if you, if you just want to call them events, yeah. cater to multiple audiences in multiple locations, mm -hmm. I think in some ways is, is quite relaxing or quite grounding because mm -hmm. I think that people can get very caught up in how do I connect with the on-site audience and how do I get the online audience to do this or do that? Uh, and then yeah. understanding the... I guess the viewpoints, you know, if you think about a football match, you know, you're at the stadium, you're engaging, you're seeing people, there's people around you, there's a crowd, you're at home instead, you're watching it on TV, you're, you're, you're tweeting away, whatever it is. Those mm -hmm. are very different situations, but the event itself doesn't really change, right? You don't kind of stop everything yeah. and go, oh, wait, now we need to talk to the online audience, stop the game, you yeah. know, I'm going to just yeah, speak yeah, to yeah. the TV. Like that doesn't really happen. And I think it's those kind of things are important. Uh, when planners are kind of visualizing it and kind of strategizing and, and figuring out the production side of things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, totally brings it back to kind of keeping it simple. Don't try and get overwhelmed with all the options and try and 
I guess, replicate what you, you used to do in the in the in-person events. It can change. We can use this opportunity of, of this hybrid world to, to come up with different ways of delivering um, the events. But I think the, the key thing to emphasize for the planners on the, the hybrid side is, is the management of the, the budgets and how to how to find that sweet spot between how many people do you have on site versus the the open doors of virtual um and yeah where where to invest and um for, yeah it's yeah. complicated it's complicated but i think it helps to, to ground ourselves with concepts that we know right that we that we're like that we're familiar with yeah it can be very very confusing if you if you're kind of unknown going into the unknown when you go into a hybrid <laughs> yeah i feel like well, we've already done that for the last year <laughs> <laughs> exactly we don't need more of that okay um and what about event promotion uh it's something that i know dahlia talked a lot about and the idea that speakers and sponsors can be brand ambassadors um yeah what's your take on that i know you're sort of you know you can do the full service you you have that mm -hmm. scope of you know landing pages you do a lot of those things what what works well what are you being asked to do and what works well in your opinion um yeah so i, th I think that they definitely um said about the cheerleaders and having cheerleaders is 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 something that we definitely recommend um to be able to use your your audience um as well as your team to be able to to kind of amplify the message, the content, create a noise around, around the event is, is great. Um, there is such a thing as that FOMO, fear of missing out, feeling being able, you can't avoid if you're seeing it on multiple different channels. So I think what we're seeing a lot on our events, um, regardless of the format, is, is a lot of um, social media um, uh, amplification in, in that respect, be it short video bite-sized adverts um, and a lot of graphics and um, teaser campaigns and those kind of things. So I think that really helps. And if you if you involve your speakers and your delegation in that as well, it really does create a buzz. Um, and we've got features that help with social media walls that really create that feel that you're not alone. Um, especially on kind of the virtual side of things, it, it really brings the event to life that you can see there's other people viewing, there's other people um, part of, of, of the same same event um, with, 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 with that social media wall or be it with kind of the emojis that we have to kind of sentiment track of, of sessions. Um, so I guess the event promotion in, in that way is, is kind of looking how can you amplify it beyond the, the virtual walls. Um, and yeah, I think the people involved in the event and the are your biggest brand ambassadors. For sure. No. I think you touched on something that I think is is very important, which is the, the the idea of feeling and understanding that there's other people at the event. And I mm -hmm. think that's something that with virtual events, with any sort of online thing, um, sometimes it's quite hard to do that. Uh, you know, and you yeah. might you log on to a you know a page and there's maybe a video feed or something but a lot of systems don't have any way of you feeling that there's other people there that that there's a lot of people watching right and sometimes there's a mm -hmm. number that you can see of whoever is in the room but uh yeah. i think that is quite different to live in person events right when you're in a room with 10,000 people you 
you can feel that, right? It, it's like, the, okay, there's something a bit different here. And, and it might be scary. Yeah. It might be great. It, you know, that there's different feelings attached to that, but you can definitely notice that very obviously when it comes to virtual, it's quite hard to, to get that feeling. Um, so that's, yeah, I think is, yeah. it is difficult. And, it, and it's probably the, the biggest question that we're asked, like, how do we, how do we get that buzz? How do we kind of get that engagement when a session is, is live or, or is simulated live? Um, we, we still um, kind of get that question a, a lot. And there are ways on Canopy that we use, as I said, that kind of the emojis, the sentiment, so that we can see that people are watching it, engaging it with you. Uh, the chat feature, um, it may sound quite simple, but it is a great way, like giving shout outs and comments and questions. And, and that is a way that you know there's other people there. Um, and we've we've kind of taken tips and tricks from from platforms that that work that um, so on, on social media where you can see other people are genuinely online and then you're able to then connect with them you're able to, to chat to, to message them um, so being able to to know that there are other people out there on the platform re really does really does help if you're not going for that or live um, engagement yeah well, thanks for that. I think that yeah, I think that's a good way to to wrap up. Um, appreciate your your comments and and your advice and then letting us know what what you see works well on Canopy and other platforms. Um, and uh, yes, thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure, Gemma. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Event Manager Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For the latest news and the best articles on technology and innovation in the event industry, head over to eventmb.com.